0: good morning guys it's randy here with uh, made free church and servants for com. hey uh man what a beautiful morning that i get to, to get up and, and actually you know sit with my king and and get into just praise and worship and and um, what an amazing morning you know um you know, with, with, with everything that has gone on in my life, it, it seems to be a little bit more uh, meaningful and a little bit more of an urgency just to spend that time with God and calling my God for prayer. And it's so important that that happens, that we dive in to prayer and, and everything. You know, we're, we're finishing up our series um, here, not today, but we got like a couple more um, yeah, that uh, in our Mark series. Today, it's, this is called I Can See Clearly Now. And we're going to be in Mark uh, chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. And guys, this has been an amazing journey uh, through the book of Mark. And next, we're going to be doing the book of Matthew. Um, the guy that's discipling me right now uh, said, Hey, man, you know, uh, You know, I asked him what, you know, because I wanted to get back to basics, right? And getting back to basics with Scripture and being in the Gospels is so important. Yeah, you know, I deal with pride. I deal with arrogance. I deal with lust. I deal with all these things that I thought I had a grip on, you know. But, uh, you know, the Bible says that, you know, that your heart is deceitfully wicked and and, uh, and that is so true today, it, as it was back in Jesus' time, that our hearts are are, are deceitfully wicked, right? And uh, uh, we must recognize that in in, in our in our daily our, in our daily thing. You know what I mean? Um, as you can see, you know I changed uh, my title. Um, I'm an evangelist. I've always been an evangelist. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, the restoration of me becoming back as a pastor is, is in the making and and, and is there. But right now, man, you know, I just want to preach and teach the word of God, you know, people, um, you know, with, with all the sin and all that stuff that, that, that has gone on, you know, uh, in my life, you know, it's, it's, it's literally a good thing because now I can be restored as God sees fit. Right. You know, titles don't mean, they don't mean nothing to me, really. You know, what, what means everything to me is is teaching the Word of God and, and discipling men and, and doing those things that need to be done. So a couple of announcements before we get started. Guys, if, if you uh, want, need prayer, uh, please go to madefreechurch.org. Uh, we have a prayer request tab. Um, you can put your prayer request in there. We have all, uh, a whole prayer, intercessory prayer team that prays over these daily. And if you'd like for one of our prayer team or one of our our staff pastors or even myself, you know, to reach out and call you and pray with you and you're inside the confines of the United States, put your phone number in there. You know, we'd love to pray, call you and pray with you and minister to you and love on you. You know what I mean? So um, I'll have a a, a few um, uh, uh, announcements at the end of this uh, uh, and in this Bible study, but please, you know, um, let's get to this. Heavenly Father, we just, we just, we just love you, God, and, and we just want to thank you for uh, all that you're doing in our lives, God, and, and, and thank you for your Word and thank you for the opportunity that I get to sit here in the morning and 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 do a Bible study. It's so important, Lord, that the, your Word goes out there. We thank you, we worship you, and we praise you. God. Lord, get me out of the way, Lord, and let the people see uh, that, and, and let the people be blessed by what they hear and see here. We love you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so open up, open up your words to Mark chapter 8, uh, verses 22 to 26, um, and it says this, And they came to Bathsheba. And they brought a blind man to Jesus and pleaded with him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting in his eyes and laying hands on him, he was asking him, do you see anything? And Andy looked up, he was saying, I see men. I see them like trees walking around. Then he said to them, and then again, he laid his hands on his eyes and then he looked intently. And was restored and began to see everything clearly, and he sent him to his home, saying, "Don't do not enter the village." And you know, as we see Jesus healed the blind man in our text in, in stages today. You know, I, I, I think of my own experiences. You know, uh, uh, I, I think of my experience. Right. Uh, this is one of the only two uh, uh, miracles that. Are found, uh, are not actually not found in the other gospel. The, the, the other big, uh, the other, the other being the the healing of the deaf man with the speech impediment, it was, we seen in Mark seven, today's healing is most distinctive healing by Jesus in several respects as we see. So let, you know, let's just dive in, you know, uh, you know, to this note uh, that in verse twenty-two, caring people brought a blind man to Jesus, and it says this: "It says, and he came to he came to Bethsheba, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. See, blind blindness was widespread in the ancient world, the lack of understanding of proper hygiene, the unavailability of effective medicines." The exposure of the elements and the common eye problems that people have when they grow older, as such as cataracts, glaucoma, uh, macular degeneration, all made blindness blindness all too common fate for those living in the ancient world. Now these now there, there's there, there's some, some something particular in this text that you may have not have picked up on. Notice that the blind man did not seek out Jesus. Rather, some concerned friends or loved ones brought the blind man to Jesus. Everything we see in this text, the blind man seems passive and uninvolved, perhaps from unbelief. Uh, But initially, there is no initiative on his part. Contrast with the, the, the Bartimaeus we meet in later in Mark um, in later in Mark's gospel sitting on the roadside begging. Barnabas heard that Jesus was coming and begged and began to shout, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. See, when when the crowd <coughs> tried to hush him up, he ignored them and shouted again and again, and all the more, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus called for him, he threw back his cloak, aside, sprang up and came to Jesus and says, what do you want me to do for you? And Barnabas uh, was empathetic. He says, master, that I might regain my side. Jesus says, go away. Your faith has made you whole. And then Mark adds, and immediately he received his side and followed Jesus on the road. Barnabas was aggressive and bold in his efforts to be healed begging repeatedly despite the rebukes from the crowd. But in today's text, it's not the blind man who came to Jesus. It was the blind man. It's not the blind man begging for healing. It was his friends. It was they who had faith while there was no outward faith shown by the blind man. This is not the kind of faith Jesus most often responded to. Normally, he would say something along the lines of what he told uh, Bar- Bar- Bartimaeus, your faith has made you whole. But through, but though the man here in Mark 8 was apparently willing to see Jesus, he was passive and seemingly mistrusting. This may help to explain what happened next in verses 23 through 25, seeing Jesus meeting the man's need. And it says this, And he took the blind man by hand and led him out of the the town. And when he spit in his eyes, and putting his hands on him, he asked if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees. 25. After that, he put his hands again on his eyes and made him look up. And his and he was restored and saw everything clearly. Two clues tells us that this had been that he that, that this had been able to see in the past. First, the blind man said that he saw men walking as trees in verse 24. People who were blind from birth have no conceptual reference point to distinguish either people or trees at first sight. He must have been able to see uh, people and trees at one time in his life in order to know that people that he saw were moving around like walking trees. And second, when his sight was completely healed, in the second stage of the healing, Mark tells us in verse 25 that his, his sight was restored. The word restored means to bring back to the original or normal condition. Now, several elements set this miracle apart from other healings in the gospels. One, it's the only time Jesus questioned someone. He was healing if it was working. For he asked the man if he saw anything. And second, it is the only time healing took place in stages. For all other healing, the wholeness to the individual was instant and complete. The first time and third, it's the only time Jesus ever directly spit on someone to heal him in the healing of the deaf with the man and this, with the speech impediment, Jesus spit on his hands and touched the man's ears with those hands. And in verse 23 of today's text that Jesus spit directly into the man's eyes. Now, what, what are we to make about this baffling healing? Well, let's look at the passage verse by verse so we can better understand Jesus' strange actions. Note in in, in verse 23 tells us that Jesus took the man by the hand and led him out of the town of Besheeda. Jesus led the man away from the throng, just as he had done in the healing of the death and stammering man. With both men, their cases required time alone from the clouds, so Jesus could establish a personal relationship with them, and then and to be able to adapt his actions to both men in order to increase their faith. But the reason that we should consider this is 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 uh, one of uh, and another commentary pointed out that I was reading in, in Matthew 11. 21 and 20, uh, through 24 is Jesus had already pronounced coming judgment from the town of Bathsheba because of the unrelenting unbelief so he would not now or even either perform the miracle in that city or allow further witnesses there as well as, as see by as something Jesus has done later in the text after he, the healing took place Though he withheld his blessing from the town as a whole, he would extend his compassion to individuals. This reminds us of when God uh, was going to bring down judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. God's judgment against the inhabitants of these two cities. But he would extend mercy on Lot and his family because they were righteous before God. Notice in verse 23 that since this man exib- exhibited passive passivity and showed no overt evidence of faith in Jesus' power to heal, Jesus spit on his eyes. This appears to be meaning and hateful for us today, right? But as as we pointed out in the case of the death man, death man with the speech impediment, the saliva of a holy man was thought to have healing powers. Now, there's no biblical basis for this, of course, but, you know, but, but once again, Jesus adapted his uh, actions to a frail human understanding to increase faith in someone. Jesus only spit in his hands to increase the faith of the deaf and stammering man because he could see that Jesus was doing it to increase his faith. But the blind man could not not see Jesus and what he was doing, but spitting directly in his eyes was a tangible indication that the man that Jesus, this holy man intended to heal his blindness. The fact that the man was not fully healed the first go around had me completely stumped. I mean, did Jesus just have an off day at that day? Did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Did he not have his morning coffee? What 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 was there something going on here? The consent consensus, consensus of my commentaries, in this Jesus was using the healing of this man as a visual aid to the disciples. The two-stage healing, according to this view, suggests the process of of revelation as much for the disciples as for the blind man. Now this makes sense when you look at the previous portion of Mark, where Jesus asked a series of penetrating questions of the disciples because their inability to really understand anything beyond the rudimentary facts of who he was and what he was about. Exasperated, Jesus asked them in verses 17 and 18, Do you yet, do you not yet perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? So this kind of helps us understand why Jesus healed the blind man in two stages. James R. uh, Edwards puts it like this in his commentary. We are immediately struck by Mark's emphasis on sight in the present miracle as opposed to the emphasis on blindness and lack of comprehension in a previous, uh, in the previous story, the juxtaposition of the two stories is a clue that the lingering blindness of the disciples were also revealed as is blindness of the man at Bethsaida by the counted touch. Continued touch of Jesus. This view has supported going all the way back to the early church. Another view, in both both could be true, that is that that the man was passive because of his faithlessness, and after Jesus spit in his eyes, a glimmer of faith arose in him and came to full fruition after the second touch of Jesus. Ultimately, who knows why Jesus healed the man in this way? Who can decipher the mysterious ways of God? Who would try? Maybe Jesus healed this man this way to throw off the trail, to teach us that he does not work in predictable ways. And last we see in verse 26, we see most unusual warning. Warning. And he sent him away to his house saying, do not even go into the town. Why was this blind man forbidden to go to Bathsheba? Perhaps, you know, Jesus was still trying to, to tamp down the stories of his miracles so he can continue his missions with fewer distractions and less scrutiny from the religious authorities. But I believe another reason is more likely I think it was because Bathsheba was under the curse of Jesus. As I pointed out before, Jesus gave a, war, a war, woeful curse upon the town in Matthew 11. We saw in an earlier chapter that Jesus could not continue to minister in his hometown of Nazareth because of their unbelief. The curse upon Bathsheba was for the same reason. Jesus had offered them the gift of his grace and compassionate deeds, but they spurned but, but, but they spurned him and, and, and he would have no more to say or show to the people in Beshida. What are the reasons we could see in this story in Mark's Gospel? Three the out to me. First, don't try to put God in a box. We have a tendency to normalize how we think people have to come to faith in Christ based upon our own conversion story or even from the stories in the Bible or upon a theological stream of, that, of what we've been taught. But God cannot be boxed in. If Jesus wanted to heal this blind man in the most unusual way, that was his prerogative. You know, I heard an amazing and unusual story of salvation over the years. And, in, uh, you know, I, I no longer think God uh, can work only one certain experimental or cultural tracks according to the demands of certain doctrinal schemes. You know, if, if he wanted, Jesus could have healed the man by standing on his head. And who would have a right to question God in human flesh. See, when the apostle Paul was saved, he was, he saw a blinding light from heaven that knocked him off his feet. But there was no other account of conversion experience like that ever read or heard of. You know, I've seen people with spectacular testimonies and, and dramatic conversions but I've more often witnessed people gently and quietly exercise simple faith in Jesus. I've seen people weep tears of joy over the forgiven and others, just a matter of fact, they see the, what the Bible says and trust in Jesus with no outward visible show of emotion. I've seen old people come to faith. I've seen old children come to faith. <coughs> I've seen people of every, of every age in between uh in, in between trust in christ i've known people saved at a church at a home in parks and restaurants and bars and cars and airplanes and on and on boats every single salvation is a miracle of its own perfectly crafted in an ingenious savior who brings people into his body by various sundry ways and in in paths you know i i I have to say this, you know I, I've actually heard and, and saw a testimony of someone in and, and she got saved in a federal prison, and that salvation was real. You know that salvation was real, that salvation was true, even though that she went back to her old life and, and, and stuff and, and it took some time to get to where Jesus wanted her. Or God wanted her, if if you want to say that. But the salvation, the transformation, and everything was real. And to this day, she's still walking with Jesus. Vance Vance Hanmer speculated if if three of the several blind men that Jesus healed compared notes, they would have to disagree on how Jesus healed. One man says, "I was blind." and Jesus touched me and I was healed. That's the way Jesus works. The second man says, no, I was blind and Jesus touched me once and I saw trees walking. He touched me again. That's the way Jesus works. And the third man would say, you're both wrong. I was blind and Jesus spit in my eyes and I was healed. That's the way Jesus works. Vance said that if these three men were here today, we would have three new church denominations within a week the one touch church, the twice touch church, and the spit in the eye church. Guys, don't put God in a box and say he must work in a certain way. The old saying goes God's work is, in this, it, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. The second thing I think we should see. Is the progressive nature of God's illumination in each of us? See that. See, the disciples were starting to grasp who Jesus was and what He was here for, but they were slow to understand because Jesus didn't fit into the boxes that they had constructed about how the Messiah would reveal Himself and what He was, uh, what, what what He was on Earth to do. Jesus sometimes got frustrated with their progress, but overall he was patient and loving and nurturing them along on the path of understanding. We too grow progressively in our own faith journeys. Remember the illustration I gave in the beginning of the, the cataract surgery? You know under, under the experts' hands of the doctor, you know uh, uh, you know, people go from sightless, uh, because of the complications to cloudy sight to perfect sight, so with the blind man who moved through these stages in our story in this story, he meets Jesus with no sight, and at the touch of Jesus, he had partial sight, and then he received complete sight. So it was with the disciples who were more non-understanding in verses seventeen through twenty-one, which we explained yesterday. To misunderstanding as well as the verses in 29 and 33 to full understanding in the end of Mark after the resurrection. And so it is with you and me. We're not perfect Christians. The moment we trust, uh, the, the moment that we trust Christ, there is a sense in which we are saved all at once. It's called justification. When God declares us once and for all, just as holy in his sight because of the death of Christ in our place. But practically speaking, in an everyday life, there is a sense in which we are being saved in successive stages. This this is called, uh, what, what theologians call progressive sanctification. The process by which the Holy Spirit forms us in the fruit of the Spirit and we progressively come more like Christ. It's like we start off the Christian life at the bottom of the staircase. We're little baby Christians and we look up the stairs and we see grown-ups there. We want to so badly be where they are. But first, we have to learn how to crawl, then to walk, and then walk up a single step, but it doesn't stop there. We have to go up the next step, then the next, then the next, and then the next. Sanctification is a process. It is slow. There's no magic bullet that you shoot at the top of the steps. You can grow in Christ little by little, step by step. So, you know, if you're a baby Christian, don't compare yourself to an older believer. He or she is at a different place in maturity than you. Learn from those mature believers. Study God's word. Stay in it. Stay in church and in a home group. Listen to the criticisms of helpful comments from you know your spouse or, or or from your girlfriend or from your discipler. Eventually, you'll grow from a tiny acorn to a mighty oak in God in, in God in God's good timing. There's a warning for us older believers as well. We need to help guide young believers, but we also need to be patient with them as they grow in faith and holiness. Third, I want you to know that Jesus wants to relate to you in such a personal way. Jesus took the blind man away from the crowd to deal with him personally. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus is concerned about you. No matter how insignificant you may see yourself in in this huge world of 7 billion people. If you are the only person on the earth, Jesus would have died for just you. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows all about you. And he wants to give you eternal life through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Take this, take that wonderful verse that many know and say in your mind as you hear me read John 3.16. Substituting personal pronouns uh, and that magnitude of reality of Christ for you sink in. For God so loved me. Now, I'm changing it up a little bit. That he gave his only begotten son. That if I would believe in him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus died for all of us, which means he died for you and me. You must personally place your trust in him for your salvation. You know, there's a lot of different... Ways of thinking. I lean more towards the reformed, um, you know, because I just believe that sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, um, uh, the, the, the 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 five the the five solas, which actually you can see right up here. You know what I mean? And I believe in the five points of Calvinism. I do. You know, and I I think it's important that we see that our faith in Jesus and how we should be acting. See, you know, the the last couple weeks, let me share something with you. The last couple weeks, I've been dealing with selfishness, pride, arrogance, and unforgiveness. That's what I've been dealing with. Yeah, and, and, and the Bible is very, 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 very on point when it says, If you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. If you don't forgive, then God, the Father in heaven, will not forgive you of your trespasses. Pride goes before the destruction. Arrogance and pride go together. You know, I've been looking at my own hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Man, there's, you know... When your head gets about this big you forget the blessings of God. You, you, you just start hanging on to those hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But I know in the midst of everything that he chastens those that he loves that are his. Think about that for a minute. Think about that he chastens those that who are his in other words he corrects you know uh that's that's deep man why would he correct me what do i have who am i i'm a child of god i'm His son and i'm in love with jesus And, and that's that's what it all comes down to guys it all comes down to that. It all comes down to your walk in Jesus. It all comes down to the love of Christ and and, and how you're going to walk that out. Are you repentive? Are you you know what I mean? You know, I, you know. A month ago, I fell hard. I did. I fell hard. You know what I mean. And and uh, but in the midst of everything that's happening in my life, I'm. Being restored, I just kind of walk through some 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 trials and tribulations. I've got to walk through, you know, um, some sanctification. How cool is that? To know that you are a child of God, that that He loves you, and that He's going to correct you, and that He's going to to get you to where you need to be in life through him not through your own strength but through him i'm glad that you guys are watching this i'm glad that you guys are here you know uh, tomorrow we're gonna do another one this is be a loser right and and, and you you know we're gonna be on at 6:30 in the morning I, ch- I changed up a little bit of the times um you know because i'm trying to finish up you know, the, the book of Mark, you know, and get this it's situated. It's been, it's been a month since I started, uh, since I've been preaching and, and stuff like that. So, um, this is my first love, man, is, is Jesus. My first love is to share the gospel with you guys. Right? So guys, if you'd like to support made free church in any way, shape or form, go to madefreechurch.org Um, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, um, and uh, we do have expenses and uh, we, we would, you know, uh, we, would, we would really, 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 really uh, uh, appreciate your donations. We'll give you a tax deductible receipt. So leave your, your, uh, your email address and the PayPal link as well as the, the cash app. If you send a check or money order to the, the address is provided on the website madefreechurch.org please leave your, wet, your email address so we can send you a tax deductible receipt. Um, so, yeah. So, guys, please pray. Pray for Made Free Church Uganda. We really, really, really need your prayers and, and stuff like that. So please pray for them. Also, guys, our friends at uh, 120 Army, these guys are our, our bros. We love them. And, and So go get that on your Android and iPhone. Go download it. You know, get involved with the 120 Army. These guys, Aaron and Jose, are, are, are great guys. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for for uh, for all that you guys do and, and get on that app. And if you guys like to check me out on my personal web and blog site, please go to servantforchrist.com. That's servantforchrist.com. Guys, I want to thank you for, for watching. I want to just bless your guys' day. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to sit here and share the gospel with everybody. Lord, bless the people who have watched. Bless the people who are going to watch. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name,
1: amen.